there's a number of things in terms of the best that can happen. I think one of them is vulnerability. Um, a vulnerability to the presence and a vulnerability to each other. Um, that's transformational. Because I find that when we're, when I think, you know, friends used to call it being low, you know, allowing yourself to be vulnerable with one another rather than looking good, you know, um, but just being real and, and open and having your heart touched that something happens, some magical thing happens. And I, I had these experiences when I was growing up, going to yearly meeting, and then we had a college age group get together. We have a five day New Year's gathering that we started in, I think, 77 or 78. Um, and you know, we would have 100 of us, 125 people there and um, from the three yearly meetings in the West. <clears throat> and, um, and this vulnerability, would show up. Um, we might be in a meeting for for worship on the occasion of business, and so you're you know discerning whatever that happens to be, and and then you would notice on someone's face, you know, pain on their face, or you would see tears or or something, and and being young people, we would just stop what we're doing and we go, well, what's going on? You know, what are you feeling? You know, what's and we would just stop what we're doing and, and, and really go towards the vulnerability, like what's, what's happening? And we learned over and over again that when vulnerability happens and you shift the attention of the group towards that vulnerability, that magic happens. I mean, there's something starts to happen. And, it, and what I've learned over time is that I call it, it's the spirit's agenda. You know, we, we move away from the agenda that we've set, you know, we're following it, and, you know, what color are we going to paint the meeting house or, you know, whatever. And, and we have, you know, more serious types of topics too, but the spirit shows up. And I think it shows up a lot of times at vulnerability. Um, so I think that's one. I, I think another is the power of this presence to reveal truth, to reveal something greater than ourselves. And I mentioned that in terms of the the sacred space team, and um, and and at the end you feel a, a sense of unity and deep love. I mean, I, I know I'm we're, we've gotten to this place, and that's when my heart is open and I feel just a connection with people. Um, and we would have that happen over and over again in, in our young friends' gatherings, um, and. And back in those days, we didn't have social media. So when you would leave each other at the end of a gathering, you'd feel a hole in your heart. Um, There's this hole you know, in the middle of your chest because you're not going to see these people for another year. And if lucky, maybe six months from now. And you couldn't call them on the phone because it cost you like a dollar a minute to be on the phone. You know, it's, it was, we didn't have cell phones. We didn't have any of that stuff. So um I, I found that over a period of time, we learned that um, in, in having that vulnerability with each other developed a, a barometer or, or some kind of instrument inside of us to sense authenticity and connection with each other. And, um, and, and it also had another factor too, and that was when we would go to meeting you know, with our parents or with older people, 
we could feel the superficiality of the meeting that wouldn't be at the same depth, um, which caused issues because many of the young friends wouldn't go to meeting because it was it felt too superficial um, compared to what we experienced together. And, and as Marcel was mentioning earlier, I started this program for students that um, came from incarceration backgrounds, um, foster youth, homeless, um, and students that weren't prepared for college at, at a community college in California. And, um, and I had a year and a half of, of funding to do research and I would, I would do um, pilots um, where I would bring the students together and I would have different curriculum that I would be utilizing with them um, because I was trying to find that space because I knew what that space felt like inside of my body. And so I was looking at like a 36 curriculum, narrowed it down to nine. And I did these nine, these five 40 hour pilots where I was using this, these different curricula. Um, and I was able to figure out how to create that same experience that I felt in my body. And when people leave these, this class, it's usually it's an immersion. So it's one week long. They feel the same way. Everybody has that same experience. Um, and we're able to replicate it, teach others to teach it. And to, it's a process um, curriculum. So. so I think vulnerability is one, revealing of truth. Um, my sense is that if meeting for worship is really deep, then we become the ability for the presence to manifest, you know, through our words. You know, so we become ministers of that presence. Um, we become the hands and the legs and the back of it, you know, bringing about what it what's needing to be in the world um, when we follow that. And and a, another sense I get too is that you know, I've been influenced and, and just love reading um, several books um, in the last few years. And one was The Mother Tree, and another was Braiding Sweetgrass. Um, and I had this vision in meeting for worship, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. Um, and, it, and it was of, of um, fungus, um, of, of a mushroom in a forest. And it was, you know, acres and acres and acres wide. It was all subterranean. And later on, I find that this is reality. I and mean, this is what went on, but it just, it came to me. And I'm not a biologist or anything like that. And um, and so reading these books and the research that's going on, many from indigenous scientists, you know, they're, they're finding that the natural world has an intelligence and that things that we see as inanimate actually are animate and they communicate with each other. And it's not like trees together making their space better, they have a relationship with the fungus in the ground. You know, like we have all kinds of things in our gut. You know, our body has a bunch of different living things inside of it. And I think all those things are tied together. And the sense I have is that this intelligence that's in the natural world is also an intelligence that we have when we're together. And I think that indigenous people, I think that many of the, the cultures, um, of the southern part of the world um, in Africa and Latin America um, 
that these this intelligence was tapped into. And I, my sense is that Quakers have had that, um, that we have had that intelligence connection. And I think part of the way I've been looking at it is that if you, if you look at the body and you look at the brain, or you look at neurons, the densest part of, of neurons in our body is our brain and our brainstem. And in higher education, that's the sole focus is cognitive thinking. Um, but there's also two other areas of our body that has high density of neurons, and that's our gut and our heart. And my sense of our Quaker processes and the, the practices that we have and our faith ties to that brain that's in our heart and our gut. And it's something that connects us with other people. And it's that intelligence that, that's outside of our own selves that comes together and you feel it. And I think meeting for worship is a place where you have that connection with others, especially uh, meetings for worship on the occasion of business um, when we're at that deeper place in, of discernment. Quakers, we have good news. I'm not sure if we know what it is, um, but the good news that I sense of our, our history, our lineage, um, our ancestors, is that our spirituality is based on the idea that um, that transformation is possible. That transformation is possible when we are opening our hearts, we're vulnerable with each other. And, and this prophetic, mystical, convincement fills us and connects us 